While the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know where for. We're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. Hey, good morning. Okay, so we are officially in fall. Can I get an amen? How many people have already had their pumpkin spice latte? Okay, okay, we're not PSL fans. That's good, that's okay. Well, we are continuing this series that we started in the summertime, but I'm gonna be honest, it feels a lot better in fall because this is that season that you feel like getting out and being around other people, right? Like it's time for festivals, the state fair. How many people are already making plans for the state fair? Okay, I've already checked out the fried foods and we're all gonna need a lot of Tums, but I'm so glad to be here with you today, especially on this kind of first fall um, Sunday. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, I'm Joy Gonzalez and I'm the lead pastor here at Uptown Church. And I wanna real quickly echo what Pastor Isaiah said, that whether you are here in the room, you're watching online, listening to the podcast, whether it's your first time with us or you come here every single week, We're so glad that you're here, and we are better for you being here. And we pray that something in this time together over the next few minutes truly reminds you and reminds our city and our world that God is for you. And it's actually why we exist as a church, is we want to be the place, the group of people that when others wonder, you know, is God for me? Does God actually love me? That people think of others. Uptown Church, think of you and think of you and your friends. So I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Now, I was talking to one of my friends a few weeks ago, and we were catching up. We haven't caught up in a while. And I asked her, so how's work going? I know you were transitioning into a new role, recent promotion, so, you know, all up and to the right, right? And she was like, well, Kind of. I was like, oh, well, do tell me more. And she said, well, my job would be great if I didn't have to deal with people. Okay, she's a doctor, so if she didn't deal with people, the world would be worse off for it. She wouldn't really have a job. But can you relate to that feeling? Like, have you ever felt that way? Like, my job would be great if I didn't have to deal with any of my coworkers or any of the people I, I work for or with. I, I would be a great mom if I didn't have kids. <laughs> and I realized I would be a fantastic wife maybe if I didn't have my husband there all the time, right? It seems so easy oftentimes to put together this ideal image of how we would be and how life would be on our own. And we formulate it, put it together, do the work for it, you know. But then you add people into the mix and man, it becomes messy. And it reminded me of this game here. Maybe you played this as a kid. Twister, anybody? Yeah, I know someone emailed me a few weeks ago and said this is their favorite game, so this is for you. Um, In Twister, it's a group game, so you have to have people playing this game, 
but it gets harder the more people you have in the game. Have you ever thought about that? In Twister, you kind of have to play with other people or what's the point? But the more people that get on the mat, get on the board, the harder it actually gets to play the game because you start bumping in to each other. And doesn't that feel oftentimes like life for us? That it, it feels easy, it feels good, we can finagle everything, finesse our lives, but the second we start bumping up against other people, life becomes difficult. It gets messy. Our relationships get messy. And sometimes we can begin to think, what's the point? What's the point of trying at work of putting in your best effort when you feel like it's that group project from high school where you're the only one putting in the effort and nobody seems to be pulling their weight? Or when you're the one in the relationship saying, hey, I, I love you, I care about you, but this isn't working like this. Can we, can we make adjustments? Can we move forward? Can we change and grow together? And you feel like you're met with resistance or are not paid attention to at all. Or when you do all you can do in your friend group to be there for that friend or to be there for your friends, and then you, you get that text from one of your friends and they're just throwing down some, some hardcore shade at you like, where have you been? And they're like, I texted you last week. We, we put out the effort, and sometimes it doesn't feel worth it. So what do we do? The incredible thing is, in our Christian faith, one of the things that we affirm, one of the biggest tenets of our faith is this, that we are made for community, that we, like the game of Twister, are not a solo-only event. In fact, if you go back to the beginning of Scripture in Genesis, where this whole story begins, you see that the one thing at creation, the one thing at the start of all of, of humanity that God says is not good is that humans are not meant to be alone. See, this human has been created, is in this paradise according to the story at the beginning of scripture, the story that kind of talks about our origins and our origin with humanity and with God. And God sees this one human in paradise who has this uninterrupted relationship with God and God says it's still not good. Which is shocking to me because you and I, how many times have you thought, if I could just, just get all the distractions out of my life, if I could just get one-on-one -on -one with God and I didn't have things interrupting me and just have those quiet times every morning, it all would be well. Here you've got this human who is living that uninterrupted communion with God and God says, you know what, that's not good enough what? And so God creates another human because God says it's not, it's not good for humanity to be alone. We need each other. But if that's what we need, if that's what God says is good for us, why does it become so difficult for us? And what do we do to keep pursuing that relationship? There's a story in the New Testament 
of the early church. And the early church is this group of followers of Jesus in the first century that after Jesus is resurrected, begin to live out his teaching and his message and begin to share it to the world. And a man in their community named Luke records the story of the beginning of the church and the story of the early days of the church for us. And he gives us this incredible image that captures today our big idea. And this is our big idea for today. Life is no fun alone. Twister's no fun alone. Life is no fun alone. You're not made to be alone. God has called us to build relationship. God has called us to one another. And there's this church in Acts, and this is what Luke says about them. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. He goes on and he says this, and every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the picture that Luke gives us of the early church. And it sounds pretty ideal, like, oh, that sounds good, this beautiful image. They must have figured out something about building community that maybe we haven't learned yet. Here's the deal. That picture is in the second chapter of Acts. All it takes for that beautiful ideal image to fall apart is one chapter, Luke gives the early church one chapter to have it all together. And then by the next chapter, they're all falling apart. There's racial tension in the church. There is class division and tension. There is separation. They begin to fall apart as, almost as immediately as they come together. But I think Luke still includes that image in scripture for us today not to say, hey, you sorry people who seem to not be able to figure it out. This is, get it together. Look like these people. Do what they did. He's not doing that. He puts that picture in there because he says, this is the dream. This is when we get it right. When we live into the good news and the grace of Jesus, this is what it can look like. See, this ideal image he gives us of community comes right after chapter one, where Peter, an apostle of Jesus, has gotten up and preached to 3,000 plus people in the city of Jerusalem, has preached a compelling enough message about the witness and life and love of Jesus that 3,000 of those people, the majority of the crowd, come to follow Jesus and decide, you know what? We, we not only believe in his testimony, 
but we're going to follow that Jesus too and live it out. And the next picture we get is this community. And I love that Luke puts those back to back because he reminds us that so often we stop after these big moments of conversion or we stop after a gathering such as this and we've been inspired and we've been moved and we think that that's enough. And he says, no, 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 no. The message and the good news and the grace of Jesus is only only good when you take it to the next step, when you live it out with other people, no matter how messy it is. And chapter two, right there in the middle of this big event where all these people follow Jesus, and then chapter three, where it starts to fall apart, is, is the goal. He says, this is what it looks like and what it means to live in community and to do it right in the way of Jesus. So I, I want to wrap up in the next few minutes just looking at three things that I think that story gives us a vision for. One, it, it reminds us why community matters even when it's messy. And if we lose our why, when things get messy, we will often abandon a cause. If we forget why we started down the pathway in the first place, in the middle messy of life, we will forget why we started in the first place. And so Luke says, remember, remember, it's going to get messy. It's not going to work out like you think it will. You will bump into each other. But in the moments and the times and the glimpses of when you get it right, it looks like this and that changes everything. See, the first thing this community reminds us, the why, is that we need each other to grow spiritually. They didn't stop at their conversion experience at that large gathering with Peter because they couldn't live into and grow in their faith on their own. And neither can you. In fact, John Wesley has this incredible quote. He says, there is no religion that is solitary. There is no Bible that only has in mind the individual. In other words, he's saying to truly lean into this faith, to truly lean into the way of Jesus, it's not a solitary venture and you actually can't do it without other people. Because the way in which we experience one another is meant to be an image of the way we can experience God and Jesus in this world. And so we need each other to grow spiritually. This community, they, it said that they met together in the temple courts. They listened to the apostles teach. They listened to preaching, but they didn't stop there. Because the community is where you practice out what is preached on a stage. How many of us know in a row, when you're, we're looking at the back of each other's heads, you can't know what's truly going on in somebody else's life because rows don't know. Rows do not know truly who you are and what you're walking through. But when you get out of a row and get into a circle of people that you can look eye to eye, you can open up and be vulnerable and say, I, I am struggling with this and I need 
your prayers. When you guys can encourage one another, when you can call out the gifts and the graces that you see in another person, then faith becomes personal. Then faith becomes a reality for us. Community is the ground in which we work out our salvation and our faith. And the early church in Acts knew it was worth it every time to wade through the mess because they would grow, they would grow as much as they were committed to it. The next thing this community did to live into community, to truly build that ideal image or that live into that goal that they had at the beginning was they extended themselves to help others. When I read that, I'm blown away. It says they, they shared things in common. They gave to those in need, even at times selling possessions, sacrificially giving of themselves to provide for another, which one means there were different types of people in that community. They were not all of the same socioeconomic status. They did not all have the same things. It wasn't a homogenous group of people. It was a diverse group of people from all backgrounds and walks of life, and they, but they walked it out together. And that isn't an, ex- an exhortation in the church is sometimes people can interpret that, that you have to sell everything that you have and give it away or give it to the church. But it is this reminder that community is only truly built when we sacrifice of ourselves, when we extend ourselves of our time and our resources to be there for another that it takes each one of us being committed to the group. It takes each one of us being committed to the dream to make it a reality. And in community, we learn that. The thing that I also love about that, where they extend themselves to help others, is that it says they were praising God and giving thanks to God. Their giving, their generosity, wasn't in response to somebody else. It was first and foremost a response to the grace of God that they had experienced in their life. And so their attitude was this, why wouldn't I give of myself to the God who gave everything to me? And so yeah, their giving, their generosity, it met the needs of people. It institutionally advanced their witness through the arms and feet of the church, but that's not why they gave initially. It's not why we give of ourselves. We give of ourselves because God first gave to us, and that was a cornerstone and foundation of why they could sacrificially love each other because they had experienced it from the goodness of God. And then finally, this community Did you catch that at the end? It says, the Lord added to their numbers daily. They were reaching out. People weren't just showing up, knocking on their door to add to their numbers. I'm sure people saw all around them this incredible witness of these people who were so incredibly hospitable and generous, and it was compelling It was so compelling because it was actually what the culture of that time promised people but could never deliver on. 
It is what their culture said. Hey, if you play the game our way, this is what you can reap from that. This is how you can win. But it never, ever delivered. And then this community of Jesus followers who lived and loved like Jesus were showing the world If you want to live in grace, if you want to win in life, if you want to redefine success, if you want to find hope and meaning and purpose, this is where it's at. Their community was so compelling that people were in awe of it. But for people to be a part of it, not just in awe of it, they went out and invited others into it. They began sharing their faith because if it was good news for them, it was good news for somebody else. And they witnessed God do incredible things. And the more that their community grew, you know what? The messier it got. Because the more we grow our community, the more we grow a church, the more we grow It gets messy. We bump into more people. We fall over the twister mat, but, but we experience the grace and the goodness of God that we live in awe of. So friends, what would it look like for you to build relationships, to realize God has called you to live life together? I bet you can guess what your next step is sign up for a community group. We are launching those here at Uptown Church and that is one of the biggest ways we try to live into this reality. We're not perfect people. We're not a perfect church. We don't get it right. But this is one of the ways that we can show up for each other and try again and again to live and love like Jesus. And it's worth it. I heard one of my pastor friends say this, and I'll close this here. He said, your community group is kind of like a retirement investment plan. If you don't work at it and plan for it today, it's not there when you need it. You invest today, even if you don't feel like you need it today, because there is a time and a moment in which we need each other to make it through this life. So I challenge you, what would it look like for you Not just build a group of friends, but build a group of uh, of fellow believers who are going after the same goals because that's what made the church so different. They weren't just friends socializing. They were a group with a gospel mission to become more like Jesus. And you don't have to know everything that you believe to be a part. We truly believe at this church that you can belong before you believe. But we know belonging is so crucial that you got to start there. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit UptownChurchDallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.